Welcome to the Grow Tribe. Hi, I'm Melissa McGowan, and I love that you're choosing growth. In this podcast, we shine a light on the diverse, messy, and real ways that you grow in leadership and life. We reflect, connect, and share what growth means to us. After two decades supporting growth in business, and of course my own, I firmly believe that where you go with your energy, time, focus, money, and precious resources, you actually grow. We're better together, so stay curious, stay awesome, join our tribe, and feel alive. Thanks so much for being here and being part of the Grow Tribe. It would be amazing if you shared this podcast with others at home, at work, gave it a rate and review in Apple Podcasts, and shared any ideas about what you want to hear more about or who you want to hear from. I love to hear your updates. If you're interested in learning about how to become a Chief Energy Officer, you're looking to fuel your impact in, and your performance, could be you, could be your team, have a look at the link in the show notes about where to start. And as always, drop me an email if you're looking for any support or you've got any insights that you want to share on growth. It's melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at go to grow.com.au. Thanks, everyone. Hey, Grow Tribe. I'm launching a 10-week group coaching program starting in October. It is specifically to help busy women who might be struggling with overwhelm, a lack of time, or patchy energy gain unstoppable mojo momentum. You'll powerfully upgrade your habits, mindsets, and resources with amazing like-hearted women to put you on top of your to-do list, achieve what really matters, and build confidence in work and life. I call that becoming the Chief Energy Officer of your life. Chief Energy Officer uniquely integrates growth as its mind, action as its energy, and connection as its heart. So it doesn't matter where you are on the mojo scale, now is the time to equip yourself to jive into 2022 with clarity, confidence, and connections. And you know what? We have some fun doing it. Now, there are limited spots, so go to the link in the show notes to jump on the wait list so you know when the doors open and you can secure a spot and the wait list bonus offer. Remember, Mojo is a quality that attracts people to you, makes you successful and full of energy. Who doesn't want that? So get your skates on. Now is the time for you and your team to gain true Mojo momentum. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode, Coming Out to Grow. Yes, we're talking sexuality, identity, authenticity, belonging, and of course, growth. You know that when you can bring your authentic self to work, even if it is via Zoom in the home office, you're likely to have energy available to invest in productivity, engagement, meaning that you're much more likely to enjoy what you're doing, and you're more likely to stay there. Sounds wonderful, right? But can you recall a time when you were just about to divulge or share something at work and you paused, you held back? What was that? What what stopped you from sharing that piece of information about yourself? Were you worried about how you might be perceived as different, strange, not lining up with the ideal worker? So according to the guru, the absolute guru, Simon Sinek, authenticity means the way that we present ourselves to the outside is a perfectly accurate representation of who we really are. I value health and fitness 
And, you know, for me, lining up with that value means making time to exercise and, and do all the things that my body and mind needs, even when I don't feel like it. I also value authenticity in my leadership. And that's meant sometimes I've been too candid in certain settings and that wasn't, you know, um, or that didn't always land. You know, there's other times when I can think about how challenging it was for me on reflection when I was in a setting that wasn't conducive or, or aligning with my vision, sorry, my value of authenticity. Likewise, you know, my authenticity shows up here in this podcast, how we approach growth, progress, not perfection, really supporting leaders, find you know, and time and energy to prioritise themselves so that they can really perform on a sustainable basis. And you can reach out to me, you know, if you need any support there. Um, You know, many of us, I'm guessing, have completed some form of, you know, diagnostic or exercise in, in perhaps some leadership development or training at work that has tapped into their thinking and their working style. A common one that many of us familiar familiar with is the Myers-Briggs tool, MBTI. And those sorts of things are a great entry point to start to appreciate that there are other ways than our own, that there absolutely is. And it can be a real eye-opener. I've seen that be the catalyst to, you know, great conversation in groups and an entry point into the topic of kind of diversity and inclusion. However, outside that training room, you may find that there's a very dominant thinking and communication type. And my guest today probably knows a lot more about this than me, but I, I think in organisations I've been in, that tends to be around the sort of ENJT type. So we can be left wondering, you know, we know diversity is what we're after and belonging is really the goal here, as we discussed back in episode four, yet that isn't always our experience um, and it can be much less tangible when I experience the leadership and the culture in my organisation, there's a sense of potential misalignment. So we can sometimes hold back parts of ourselves and, you know, subconsciously we can aim to sort of conform just to get by. But, you know, I would ask us at what cost? So most um, big businesses these days provide support for um, minority groups in their organisations and, and community support. Specifically, big organisations we're seeing have support for LGBTIQ people and the research is showing that coming out in in your um, job or in your workplace has a direct impact, like I said earlier, on your job satisfaction and your intention to stay. Plus, you're more likely to be able to give and receive support from others. Staying in the closet, as we as you know, we all often hear that term, comes at a cost, organisationally and personally. And I was reflecting as I was preparing this on both friends in my personal life, but also a number of people in organisational life that have shared with me, you know, that they are uncomfortable coming out in the workplace for a range of different reasons. And, you know, I've, I've seen how that's played out for them. Uh, in organisations and it's very challenging and you know it wasn't my place at the time to sort of say hey come on let's do this but when you hear that going on for people you know you really have a lot of empathy. There was a study done in Australia a couple of years ago there were nearly 2,000 employees interviewed across a number of um, industries and what what was interesting is the data showed that in the Australian data set here 
68% of those um, that identified as gay were not out at work compared to 46% in the US and 35% in the UK. So, you know, coming out, is it's a big deal. It's massive. Um, certainly here in Australia, homosexuality was only decriminalised late 90s and, you know, marriage, as we know, was only become only became legal uh, really in, I think it was late 2017. So there's a number of issues and some of them are really complex here as we consider, you know, the choices we make in our workplace, um, the cost of having sort of this kind of double life and, and sometimes covering things up. Uh, uh, to protect ourselves and being not not being able to be as open as we would like, um, we don't you know just come out once. That's a number, it's a sequence of things, and and I appreciate that it's a very individual journey. And like I said, I've I've got a number of people that I'm thinking of that have been through this journey over time. So I'm really thrilled to have Susie McNamara here with us today. She is a strong upholder herself of the value of authentic leadership and living. And um, I'm sure many of you do too. Uh, And so you will know that achieving that congruence that we're after with our value and the environment we're in and the people that we're with is just such a prize. And when it's missing, it really comes at a cost. So I'm, you know, very in a very privileged position. I'm a, you know, white, educated female. Um, and adding to that, I'm six foot tall. So that just, you know, that just adds into the mix here. As you think about the um, sort of prosperity that I've been able to, um, you know, enjoy in my life. And I was thinking about the the concept of discrimination as it relates to me. And as far as I know, there's only one time, and it was quite significant, that I've been outright discriminated against in relationship to to pregnancy. And it took me a little bit of getting over. But as I reflected on my privilege and the fact that I was an HR professional at the time, it gave me just a small insight into sort of how soul-destroying um, that, that kind of judgment and discrimination must be for others who experience that on a much more regular basis. And I think as a as a leader, it helped give me some more empathy around supporting people. Um, you know, I, I also recall times myself where I've held back on things. I've held back on things at work, uh, discussing, you know, uh, family situations, discussing things going on. And I, I feel like I really grew confidence on that, you know, as I became more senior in my career. But, you know, is that something that you earn the right to because you're senior in your career? And, you know, I reflect back from talking about caring responsibilities or even holding boundaries about managing my own time and energy. Um, you know, and I recall, you know, finding it really hard to say no to certain things around travel or meetings to really um, look after myself over the years. So welcome to our, our Grow Tribe. Um, there's been a lot going on, as usual, in, in the lives of our growers. Some of the things that I've been hearing about, someone left a really big job they were in and they took, because they had another job lined up, so they went to that other job, which was a natural progression of career path based on where they were. And what I loved is when she told me she actually resigned in the first week, which was very unusual um, and very unexpected. But she found herself sitting there in that new dream job thinking, I am just lacking purpose here and meaningful growth and just kind of doing more of the same. 
So she stepped back and did a lot of work to really figure out what she wanted. Someone else started a book club and is building community around that at the moment, using obviously the virtual environment that we're in to support each other's growth and development. Someone else shared with me actually an amazing um, story that they had shifted their health really significantly, reducing a number of medications they were on, quite serious, by making the all challenging but impactful lifestyle changes. So by totally changing his diet, um, his movement, he was able to significantly reduce the medication he's on and actually feels much better for it. So it was an amazing um, example of doing the, the work. Someone else talked about um, the communications podcast that we had a few weeks ago where they were able to straight away apply things from that specifically just being more of herself in even, you know, what we would consider that more formal communication. Someone else has been really brave opening up about their mental health and, you know, attending a webinar in their organisation and then taking some of those tips and sharing them with others because of the benefits for them right now. So as parents and leaders, colleagues, friends, you know, we tune into the impacts that we can have individually and in our organisations to create environments that are not only safe but conducive to this belongingness and celebrate uniqueness. Again, we touched on it back in episode four, um, our episode Inclusion to Grow. Now, we all have influence here. So as you, um, uh, as you heard me say to, before, we are joined by Susie today. And, you know, we, I, um, I mentioned this probably nearly every podcast, but just let me say it again. Experience is really the language of growth and development. And that is what I love about what Susie does on a day-to-day basis. So Susie McNamara walks the talk on growth and development every day. She is the VP of Global Learning and Development for, for, for the Forty Corporation based in the US. She started her career in sales and actually transitioned to the dark side of learning and development and HR, where surprisingly she found her passion. She is very authentic. She's willing to challenge the status quo. She brings a progressive and what I love is a very customer-centric approach to her leadership. And some years ago, Susie confronted a significant authenticity gap for her when she acknowledged and ultimately accepted and celebrated, you know, being gay and bringing that into the workplace. Today, she's going to share that journey with us, the challenges, the insights, the things that maybe we wouldn't consider um, or when we're so hung up on what we should say or what we shouldn't say. And she's going to talk about her growth. So Susie, you know, you've demonstrated amazing perseverance in your uh, coming out journey your leadership uh, and your career progression. But I think one of the things that I'm most, most admirable of and in awe of is your leadership and growth at home with your partner, Tina, and your five kids. And that's right, folks, it's five kids. And those kids age um, uh, range in age from 10 down to 18 months. So Susie, welcome to the Grow Tribe. Thank you for having me. It's quite an intro that it doesn't feel overwhelming on a day-to-day basis, but when you talk about the ages of my kids, I'm instantly overwhelmed. <laughs> I love it when I meet people that have got more kids than me. You know, it's it's, it's rare and awesome. <laughs> Susie, um, if you don't mind, I'll start off with a question that I did, um, you know, give you some notice of, which was just, you know, when do you feel really alive in your life? 
It's such a good question. And I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I actually had to go back to really specific moments. And I found several of them and they all had one common theme. And it's these moments where I can experience through another person a breakthrough. So as you mentioned in the introduction, I develop leaders for a living. It's, it's part of my role, a big part of my role. And so I have the, the privilege day in and day out of spending time with leaders and really helping them to become the best version of themselves, not the best leader by our definition, but the best versions of themselves. And not always, but sometimes you have these moments that are just huge. I call them frying pan to the head moments. And they are just these huge breakthroughs. And while I don't think I am solely responsible for them, I like to think that I have in some way through some question I've been able to ask or some you know experience I've been able to give them that I was able to help facilitate that. And I mean, that is, I can have one of those every quarter and it's enough fuel for months. Yeah, that is, that is so, that is so cool. Um, that, that unlocking of potential in the work you do. And, you know, we were talking about it just before the show, you know, there's a lot of other work that we all do in our jobs and, you know, some of it is likely to be, a bit mundane and a bit of a push. And yet if we're in a role where we can achieve something like what you just said and just feel that sense of satisfaction, then you know you know you're in a really great place uh, and having just such a fantastic influence. I agree. I often tell people, you know, I have a certain title at Fortive, but my unspoken title is the coolest job in the company. <laughs> and I will. I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody to to argue that one. Awesome. So, Susie, um, let's let's, let's kind of go back through your journey. I mean, yeah, start wherever you like, but I'd just love to hear about your journey coming into kind of the fully authentic leader that I'm here talking to today. Yeah, you know, my, my journey on leadership started actually at a very young age. So I have – there's – there's this great debate, are leaders born or are they made? And I do believe that leaders can be made. Uh, So I'll just put that out there. uh, And that helps me to keep my job because it's important that that's a component of it. But I also do think there are certain people who are just really born with that desire to lead. And I have always had that ever since I was a kid, you know, whether it was to be the captain of a sports team, president of student council, captain of safety patrols. I was always after that. And, and and it wasn't for the title necessarily. It was for the impact. And it was just, it was always something that, that I really, that, that just drove me. And, and it was something that I, I was naturally relatively good at. And what I mean by that is I don't know that I was some great leader, but I was pretty good at an early age at finding my authentic leadership style. So I wasn't trying to be anyone else. I was just me Maybe not everybody liked it, but there was always a little bit of quirkiness, some humor, creativity. I mean, to give you an example, when I ran for president of student council, instead of doing a speech, I rapped in front of the entire school. Um, so that just gives you a sense that 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 is some courage that I can tell you today. I, I hope you're incorporating that into the leadership program you're about to launch. Uh, I am just so thankful that that was at a time when people didn't record things, you would have had to bring your huge camcorder in to to catch that on video. So thankfully this was pre-technology, pre or pre a lot of technology. So that is not recorded. 
but it was just, it's always been a part of me. And so, you know, that continued all the way through college and even into my early years of my career, while I certainly didn't have a leadership position. And, you know, as you mentioned, I started at General Mills in sales as an associate. So I was very much a doer. I still found ways to lead, whether it was, you know, leading the associates club or, you know, being the the head of happy hours. I mean, I just always found something. I was always finding a way to bring people together to work towards a common cause, even if that cause was just having fun and getting to know each other. So that all changed, though, when when I started to realize a pretty big shift in my life outside of work, which was when I realized I was gay. And so, you know, people are always like, oh, what's the moment when you knew? And I mean, honestly, once I it's more that there was a moment that I started to accept it. If I actually look back in my life, the signs were there for a very long time. I just chose to ignore them or was probably afraid of them. But there was finally a moment when I was, I guess, 24 or so. So a little bit into my career, two, three years into my career, when I realized I was gay. And so um, I and, and the catalyst for it was meeting this wife of mine that you mentioned, who I now have five kids with. And it was just this moment where I met the right person at the right time and knew that this was a real thing and that I needed to figure it out. And so while you know, in some ways you would think, okay, so you met the person that you're going to be married to for the rest of your life. Like in a movie, that's the happy part, right? That's the love scene. That's the part where they play the fun music. You go on fun dates. It's, it's the, the music montage. Um, but unfortunately it, it didn't actually start that way. We were certainly very happy, um, but it created a lot of trouble in other parts of my life. Um, after after a few months with her, I knew that in order to continue with this relationship, I needed to start telling people. Um, I hid it for a long time. Uh, people at work knew I was in a relationship, but I made up a, a fake name. I mean, it was that bad, um, but I, I just felt so unsafe to tell anyone. And so I really kept it to myself. So when I finally did start telling people, um, I, I started safe. I started with my closest friends and I have amazing friends. So that went well. And that really helped build some confidence for me. I had, you know, and they each reacted exactly how I thought they would. I have one friend who's just very inquisitive. So I knew she was going to grill me with questions, but none of it was ill intent. It was just really wanting to deeply understand and to be a good friend. Um, And so, you know, each of them reacted well. That gave me the courage to eventually come out to my mom. And that's where, you know, the record sort of stopped, kind of scratched. Um, and, And I was really just, stopped dead in my tracks. My mom did not respond well. Um, she, it, it was awful um, to the point where um, at the time I actually chose to tell her while I was on a, a, a girl's weekend with my closest friends from college who have been my closest friends since we were 18 years old. We were all together. I had just told all of them. I was feeling confident. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to call my mom right now. This is not as scary as I thought. This is great. I'm so happy now. And she didn't respond well. And I literally walked back into the house and I collapsed. Um, So not only did they have to lift me up figuratively, they had to lift me up physically uh, because I was just crushed. It knocked the wind out of me and I collapsed. So that was really the start of it all. Um, The start of what felt like the end in terms of the end of my life as I knew it and as I envisioned it, and then the end of my authentic leadership as I knew it or as I envisioned it for the rest of my life. Yeah, and, the, and there is this, um, this idea of kind of that, that work and personal life can be separate. 
And sometimes it can. I think if anything, COVID has taught us that it's <laughs> harder than ever to separate them. And it probably always has been hard. We've just held ourselves to maybe an unrealistic standard. Um, but when something is going wrong in your life, I don't care how high achieving you are, high, high, how high potential you are, it's going to impact you at work. You may not always realize it in the moment. I've had a few instances in my career where it caught up with me later, but it is impacting you. And so with this, you know, all of a sudden in my personal life, I am completely shaken to the core. And so I, how this transpired at work was for about a year, I kept to myself. I told maybe two or three people that I worked with. Um, a lot of people, I think that kind of knew me, maybe knew I was in a relationship, but didn't know much about it, which of course started people, you know, certain people starting rumors, which I just had to attempt to ignore, which isn't easy to do. Something I've noticed is that the assumption people make when when people say partner, because Stuart and I weren't married for a long time, and I use the word partner, and people, of course, assumed it was a male partner, but I'm just thinking now that if it wasn't, you know, I'm like, would I correct them or would I just kind of worry, leave, you know, be like their discomfort then, I have to deal with that, and how do I manage their response? And, yeah. yeah. So that's all, it's all part of the equation. First of all, I remember meeting you and you were one of the only straight people I knew who used the word partner. And it was such a safety thing for me, even though I knew you were straight and married to a man and that you all had kids, it, it demonstrated to me that you were a, a little, you felt a little bit more safe to me because you used a word that was relatable to me that I could use too, that could mean something different. So um, I think that's an important thing for people to note. Um, but I didn't, I tried to avoid all words. I tried to avoid pronouns. And I, I mean, frankly, I just avoided the topic as much as I could. I personally, though, wasn't even comfortable with the word partner. Up to this point, I mean, I was already, like I said, 24 years old. So I had 24 years on this earth, 24 years of, well, maybe not all 24 years that I have boyfriends, but a lot of years of having boyfriends and using that term, all straight friends. And so even, even I was uncomfortable with the word. So again, I just tried to avoid it as much as I could and and just focus on the work. So that's the problem though. That's where it kind of, you know, outside of my work, I've got this whole life going on and I essentially would go to work each day and take a big part of me and leave it at home. And then I would show up to work and I would just do the work. And that is not me. That is not how I'm wired. I am not wired to just show up and do my job every day. I am wired to want to lead. I'm wired to want to help people. I'm wired to want to connect people. I set all of that aside. I, I just stopped. And, and it was a really, uh, the word that I would use to describe how I felt during that time was hollow. Mm. And it just, you I mean, how can you possibly do your best work as a hollow person? You know, you talked in, in your intro about how health and fitness is important to you. If you just stopped doing that or felt like you could never talk to anybody at work about anything related to that, you're leaving a big part of yourself behind it, something that matters a lot to you. And it's just, it's a really hollow feeling. And I went that way for quite some time. Um, and over time though, I, I did thank you, or thanks to some really wonderful leaders and some really great friends, I was able to eventually turn the corner and, and really rebound from all of this. And so if you fast forward, um, I eventually told my dad, I was terrified to tell my dad. My mom had me convinced that telling him would 
give him a heart attack, a heart attack and he would die. Like that was what I was told. Uh, and while I now understand that homosexuality doesn't kill people um, and learning about it doesn't kill people at the time, I was just so terrified. I already felt like I had this huge loss in my life. I went from talking to my mom every day to almost never other than her, you know, sending me information for priests who could help me because she thought I was sick um, to, you know, like, I, and so that was the world I was living in. And so I just wasn't comfortable talking to anyone about it, but I did finally get the courage. I reached out to my dad. I sent, uh, I was too chicken to do it on the phone. I was so terrified of a similar phone call that I'd had pre previously about a year prior with my mom. So I sent him instead this really long email. I mean, this thing must've been two, two full pages. And I got, I think what, seven words back from him. Uh, all he said was Susan. He was like the only person in the world who called me Susan still. Um, Susan, I, we're still cool. I love you, dad. And that was it. And I will tell you, uh, anybody who's thinking about like, gosh, what if one of my kids came out, how would I react? And you're not sure how to react. You don't have to say a lot. Those were all the words I needed to feel like, okay, never mind. I do have someone in my corner. This, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, I'm not sick. This is just, it is who I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so just know that if you're, if you, you find yourself on the receiving end of this conversation with a loved one, a kid, whomever it may be. Um, you don't have to say a lot. You just need to listen and show them that you support them. It's all they need. Um, I think I, I was reading um, Glennon Doyle's new book, Untamed, recently, and I can't remember the exact wording now, but there was something in there where she talks about um, it's not like I, I still love you anyway. You know, like as though, like in spite of that, I still love you. It's just yeah. kind of, I love you. Like, yeah. yeah. And that to me was, it's a simple shift, but it was like, oh, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. It's like when people say something to you and they add the word actually, because it, it suggests an element of surprise. Like you do a big presentation, they say, well, that was actually good. You're like, wow, yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you seem so surprised. Uh, I'll try to surprise you again with another good one in the future. Um, so yes, I do agree. It, it doesn't have to be a lot of words, but, but choose them wisely. And those three words, I love you. If that's all that you can come up with in the moment, because you have to process too, this is a change for them. And I understand that. And I, yeah. probably, I frankly, I understand it more now that this was not what they envisioned for me. And so it's, it is a change for them, but it's, you know, even as you're processing, and we, we have to do this on a daily basis, there's news that you get that's not what you expected. And you need to, as leaders, we need to show up and figure out how to process. And, and even if you need to buy yourself some time, say the right thing to buy yourself some time and then take the time you need to process and then have a, you know, have a deeper conversation about it. So over that year or so, though, where I went from, you know, coming out to my mom before I came out to my dad. I mean, it was really tough. I, I did slowly start to come out to some people at work and um, most of those were positive, but they were all incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I will, I, I remember one in particular, I, um, I was out in one of our sales regions. I had actually just taken a new role and I was uh, doing what was called ride alongs with um, one of the, one of the teams in a different state. I'm not going to say too much to protect the innocent, but I, I was meeting, you know, several people for the first time. And I remember I was out to dinner with this, with two older gentlemen and 
they, we, you know, we just, we were having a conversation, having a drink and they asked about my husband. And at that point I was getting a little more comfortable with it. And I was like, Oh, it's actually not my husband. It's my partner. And at the time we weren't legally married. So I still use the word partner. Um, it's my, it's my partner. Her name is Tina. And there was silence, just silence. And then finally one of them said, Oh, well, I mean, I guess that's okay. And so whenever you're in this situation where you're trying to embrace who you are, but then you're met with responses like that. I, I, I wrote about them around uh, during June in an article about my coming out story. And it's these pauses that just, they are torture for somebody who is, for anyone who has come out and have has been met with a negative response, which most people, you know, Melissa, you mentioned that people come out, you have to come out all the time. I, I'm coming out on your podcast. There are people who, subscribe to this who I don't know. So I'm coming out to a bunch of strangers and that's just a regular part of it. But anytime you've come out and have had a negative experience with it, any pause that you that, that you receive when you come out to someone again, even if it's just a quick conversation and you have to correct somebody because they refer to them as your husband or whatever the case may be, those pauses are a slow form of torture. <laughs> because in that pause, even if it's like a half a second, my mind goes to, this is making them uncomfortable. They don't like this, you know, like, and, and I, unfortunately, I personally take responsibility for it, which I shouldn't mm. I take responsibility for how other people feel, but I can't help it. It's that's partially how I'm wired and I'm sensitive to people. And I'm a high F on Myers-Briggs. I'm a feeler. I'm thinking about the impact on, on people. And so that moment just immediately makes me feel unsafe. And it makes me feel like I've caused a problem. And so it is. I think that's really powerful that you share that, though, because like like I said before, there's a lot of, um, uh, it's the thinkers, right? <laughs> there's a lot of thinkers in our organisations. Um, there's, there's maybe less feelers. And it's really important for all of us to understand, like, like the power of the feeling there. That is, you know, a slow form of torture in the pause. Like that's very powerful for us all to, to really just think about. It is. And, and I try to think about it myself because there, there could be something that someone shares about themselves that I have to process for a second. But it's how can you how can you buy the time to, to process but but avoid the pause because it is it is really hard and it's still hard for me. I mean, I am you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older now. I'm I've had more life experiences. I I care a little less about how other people are going to react to things. I can't say that I don't care entirely. That is not how I'm built. But uh, I wish I, I envy people who don't seem to care. Um, but well, I, let's be honest. I mean, most of us care. You know, I think we're wired to care. Yeah. And so, um, but I, I I have let go of a lot of it. So I'm a lot more comfortable with it. I'm a lot more confident with it. I don't hide it. Um, I will tell you one thing though. You were mentioning in your opener um, about employee resource groups and and different groups that organizations are bringing in and. Around this time, the, uh, the company that I was at at the time created a, a, an LGBTQ group, and they were pretty active. In fact, I think they've been around for a while, but maybe they had new leadership, so they became a bit more active. And one of the things they did at the time was they created these things called, um, well, they created, they made stickers, and then they created these things called badge buddies. So, you know, most people are wearing some kind of badge for security when they're in a building, you know, back when we <laughs> went to buildings back in the olden days. Um, 
But uh, in the back of it, they created just these rainbow cards. And so people would have a rainbow card in their badge buddy. And um, for a while, they used to say like ally or member. But then I think over time, they realized it doesn't really matter if you're an ally or if you're an actual kind of member of the uh, LGBTQ community. It was just a symbol of, hey, I support you. I'm safe. I will tell you right around that time I had transitioned roles. And so I was doing a lot of meet and greets. And there was this feeling I would get whenever I would walk up to somebody new who I hadn't met and I would see their badge buddy or I'd walk up to their desk and I'd see, you know, a, a, a rainbow sticker. They were handing out rainbow stickers. It just immediately makes me feel calm. It still does to this day, even though I'm far more comfortable with where I am in my journey. My boss today, I can see it uh, in her background on Zoom meetings. There's a little rainbow flag hanging over her head. Um, and, and that just... Anytime I see that symbol, it just tells me, okay, this is a safe person. I'm probably not going to get a pause, but if I do, it's not what I'm thinking. And that's it. And then I'm good and I'm comfortable. I, I, I really pleased that you shared that as well because symbolism is so powerful, but I'm already thinking about, wow, I think there's probably some things that I could do there as well. And I'm, I, I'm, it's also making me think about, you know, what, what it's like when the, op and the opposite of that. And my son was telling me about an author that came to talk to um, the kids at school and he was sharing part of his, um, you know, journey as an author also included, I think, coming out in his sort of early 30s. And suddenly he saw a number of schools directly after he did that cancel his visits to those schools. You know, so if I contrast that to the, the symbolism of being in an organisation or a setting where there is visual um, little reminders around the place that we may be not there yet, but we are trying to foster a culture of, you know, belonging and inclusion. That's right. Most companies aren't where they want to be yet on their inclusion and diversity journeys, and they're all in different places, um, all for different reasons. But you're right. It's those small steps that can immediately make somebody feel like they belong because you know the other thing about sexuality is that there are certain there are certain ways that there are certain things that make people feel more included or feel like they belong based on things that they can see so i can you know walk into an organization and if i see that there are plenty of other women you know that's going to feel a little bit more balanced like I'll, i might feel a little bit more like i belong if you're African-American and you see other you know, people of color, you, you might feel a little bit more comfortable. With sexuality, it's not something that we wear. It's not something that we necessarily have a look. And so it's also harder to see. And so that's where these symbols of safety are, are really helpful because that just tells me. Again, I don't look at it and say, oh, I'm going to assume all these people are gay. I just, I look at it, I see this person is safe. This is someone who I can totally be comfortable being myself with. Um, and and it it it's huge in terms of just making it easier to build trust quickly and feeling you know safe at work. I mean it's it's really important. So it, it is something to think about. I think for corporations. And sometimes some of those allies are probably very surprising. Like again, I'm now thinking of a sort of senior male exec who, yeah. through you know his child's journey, then became much more active in this space. And I think that was probably something that people wouldn't have you know picked and. Equally, I'm thinking of another friend who he really struggled because he wasn't seeing himself as conforming with the stereotype of kind of a, you know, a male gay man and he just didn't know where he fit, you know. So seeing people out there that are different um, and yet um, making it safe is just super powerful. So that's a that's a really important point. There, there was a, uh, one person on my journey in particular who 
was who is a very outspoken advocate for LGBTQ, and this person is straight, uh, and and it's because of a journey that their son was on. But this person, I will tell you, as as someone in my journey, this person was the turning point. Um, I met this person maybe two ish years after I had come out, and so at this point, I was sort of I was out, but I was still holding back. Uh, I, I had not returned to my truly authentic self at work. I, I was bringing more and more of myself, but I still wasn't there. I was still, there was a lot of me that was being left behind. I I wasn't showing up as effectively as I could. My career started to, my, my career at one point had almost stalled out. And so at this point, my career had started to get back on track. This was when I had made that shift to use your words to the dark side from sales into HR and really found my passion. But it was this one leader in particular who just I grew exponentially under her leadership and I still believe to this day that it's because of the first meeting we had where she just immediately made me feel safe and when I shared with her you know that my significant other was a woman there was no pause she immediately started asking questions and it wasn't like oh tell me but it was just I want to get to know you I care about you already I just felt like I was in such good hands and I mean, my career in that year, year and a half that I worked for this person, it just took off because all of a sudden I, I felt like it's OK to be me. And it's actually a good thing to be me. There's nothing to be afraid of. And if I am afraid of something and that there's anyone that's making me feel like I should be afraid of it, that's not somebody I need in my life. And you'd think, well, why didn't you just get there on your own? But sometimes you need that catalyst. And in this case, this person and not alone, uh, there, there have been other important people on my journey, but this person was really that catalyst for me. And so now I'm constantly thinking about how can I be that catalyst for someone else? How can I be that safe person who really helps them to see themselves? And by the way, it doesn't have to be because they're gay, but just someone who people feel safe with to really be themselves. Because when we're ourselves, that's when we're actually giving the most you know, to our, to our jobs, to our companies, to our families. We're not holding anything back. That's when the magic happens. So how can we as leaders be the catalyst to unleash that magic? Um, it's. I mean, I imagine your energy, like you know, where it was maybe leaking for a long time, and now suddenly, I mean, that was almost your frying pan to the head moment, wasn't it? It's like, and now look where my energy is going, and and then that your career and all the other success you've had in your life, you know, kind of was it as a following outcome from that. It, 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 that's exactly right. Like everything. So if you, you can actually look at data. So if we're talking about diversity and inclusion data, you can look at data to say that, to see that more diverse teams uh, have better innovation, they get better results. You can look at that data all day long. I can tell you, I am living proof, like a single human proof point of how by feeling safe, by feeling included, I, I mean, my creativity just this creativity that I had, the creativity of that kid who stood up in front of the entire elementary school and rapped to win a seat as student council president, she was back. I mean, the creativity yeah. was flowing, the humor was flowing, the, the results were flowing. It all, I mean, it. you're right. It was just like all of that, that leak, it was patched up and all of a sudden all of that goodness could be put back into the place where it where it belonged versus just sort of, you know, falling to the wayside. I mean, it's, it, it really happens. It really, it really makes a difference. 
And and when you changed um, organisations or, you know, and I'm just thinking about when people do make changes and they're thinking about now, what is the lens I'm really looking at the the kind of fit in my next organisation? What do I want to see, you know, um, or know about in that culture that is going to help me make my decision about, you know, going there from this standpoint of inclusion? Like, is there anything that you kind of had on your radar as criteria when you made your decisions? Yeah, well, so this is one of those examples where you, you, you know, you go to the potential new company, potential, you know, on site back in the day, and you're looking around and you're trying to see things that will help you understand if this is going to be a good fit for you. So you're looking for visible symbols. For me, I'm looking for diversity in all forms, at least the diversity that I can see. And um, for me, I just, I ask the questions. In fact, there's one person where if he listens to this, he'll start laughing because I I think it was after my first round of on-site interviews and I was leaving the building. I was pushing it to get back to the Seattle airport to catch a flight. And I stopped this HR, the former HR director, like as we're walking out and I'm like, oh, by the way, diversity inclusion what's your stance on it? <laughs> he was just like, whoa, he's like, you're late for a flight. Like how much time do we have? But I was just like, I, I haven't been able to fit this into any of my interviews today. I need to know. Um, now, thankfully, like that wasn't our last interaction. And I was able to spend quite a bit more time with him and with the CHRO to really understand it more deeply. And it eventually I did through the process share with them, look, the reason I want to know is because I'm gay and I want to know if this is a place where I can be safe. So I just was really upfront and honest with them because the last thing I wanted to do was to join a new company back where I was years earlier in my career and come in timid, come in not telling people, you know, that I'm gay. I didn't want to have to deal with any of that. I did not want to go back to that place. So I needed to be really forthright with it. And I needed to know that I was at a company where that would be very safe. And thankfully, I found one. And I'm so glad you did, and I'm so glad you you know you're here and willing and generous and open in in sharing your kind of journey with us. And I will you know put your LinkedIn link in the show notes, Susie. Um, I've just loved this conversation, and I have learned a lot as well in this conversation. And like you said, the integrated approach to living is right. It's 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 number one right now. It is what we are doing. And it is the time to lean into that authenticity. And, you know, I agree with you, leaders are made, not born. And when we talk about the leadership, though, and I loved hearing about your journey and, your, you know, back in school days, we lead from where we stand. And I say that often to people. It's not about needing the, the title and being in a senior leadership position. Like we lead from where we stand. And I've taken a lot of things here from what we've discussed today that we can apply in our leadership from where we stand right now. You know, how we make um, our environment safe through the symbols is is a big one I've taken from today. The, the connection between acceptance and the pause and not feeling like we always need to kind of know exactly what to say, but keep it, keep it short, buy yourself some time if you need to, but choose your words um, thoughtfully. I really love that. And, you know, the, the the notion of the frying pan to the head, you know, as leaders, how can we help unlock this potential in others and hearing Susie's story of coming out and just continuing to 
knock it out of the park on her leadership um, is is amazing. And I, I'm so pleased that you feel safe um, and supported to share this journey with us today. And I know everyone is going to take something from this awesome conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And like I said, I recall from the moment I met you that you were one of the safe ones. So I'm more than happy to be here today. Thanks so much, Susie, and enjoy your growing everyone and, you know, have a think about where um, authenticity is something that you can lean into more right now. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I'm very excited as we build this growing community of growers And I'd love to hear your feedback on anything you want to hear more about people that you think would be great for us to have a chat with. Please leave me some feedback or if you want any support, use the functions via the podcast or the email, the Facebook group or the Instagram, all of it in the notes. I'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to see your pictures of you growing and what you're working on. Please share the podcast and review it in iTunes as we build this community. Thanks so much.